to do is just kind of briefly highlight uh, what we talked about this, e- this morning and then come back to uh, what would I, I kind of expanded the outline uh, from this morning that we just really brushed over in the, uh, the third section. So if you remember there, we, we see that he takes these, these little passages here. And what I did in my Bible was highlighted every time he said, for I say unto you, and then the second time when he would put part two in that sentence or in that, in that paragraph of um, you've heard, but I said unto you. So I, I can see them very quickly, and there's about seven of them there. And, and then oftentimes within these, he has an illustration is what we see tonight. Now, they're not always there. When you get to the adultery one, there's not an illustration there. But there are some. And uh, so he will take these to really expand the topic and help us to apply it uh, in a, in a uh, very practical way. So he, he is, uh, again, building off of the two important truths that we looked at last Sunday. And that is, number one, he is not coming to change anything about the law. Rather, he's going to set us all straight. He's going to push that magic reset button. He's going to put us all back on the right path. Uh, we were trained like a train, tra- a train on a train track. Uh, we've gone the wrong way, and he's going to put everything back in the right place and help us to see how it should be viewed and how it should be seen. And then the second part of there is that uh, that uh, the, the, the law. Um, oh, the, and the great. I forgot what the other second thing was. The greater righteousness. And so he's expanding on that, teaching that your righteousness has to exceed. I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, this week about that, and I, and I, he was saying, you know, it's, it's impossible to have the greater righteousness than the, than the Pharisees. But when, when, when I see it, I, I think it's very easy to have the righteousness greater than the Pharisees because they had no inward righteousness. They were not righteous to begin with. They had not been made righteous. And so um, there, it's harder to do more outward works than what the Pharisees did, but to have an inward where it's supposed to begin is, is done simply by faith. So um, we keep these two foundational truths in mind as we move into these um, explanations of where man has gotten uh, off track. So when he says again, when he says that ye have heard, he is saying here that, uh, that, that this is how God's word has been taught, understood, translated, uh, interpreted, and applied for ever since who knows and there's a, there's a right way to interpret it, obviously, and that's when he says, but I say unto you. So he's not contrary to the law. He is contrary to men's opinions, men's interpretation. So Jesus does oppose man's interpretation. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, all those things. But he's not contrary to the law. So we see here three, um, three points to our outline that uh, I, as I was putting this together, I, I can see in this, and maybe some of them are a little bit more than the others, and uh, some application here. We don't necessarily have any discussion questions, but of course, at the end, if you have anything that you'd like to add, I'd love to hear, uh, hear your thoughts. So let's read a little bit. Let's, uh, let's just read the whole passage again. It's not very long. Start in verse 21. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. 
First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence, till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So, uh, I, gave, I, gave, I think I gave sufficient background enough to what he's talking about here, but recognize that for the first few verses, I think the first two verses there, he's speaking about my anger and how my anger is is uh, connected to murder. It's a another degree of, if, if you want to call it a lesser degree of murder. But now in verse 23, he is giving this illustration and he's no longer talking about my anger. Now there might be something there. I had, I've, I've written some speculative notes that maybe how they might be further connected, but uh, specifically, he's not talking about my being angry anymore. He's talking about my worshiping, and it's applied here at the altar, saying, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, I'm giving my gift, and then I realize my brother has something against me, and then I'm supposed to uh, leave my gift and go my way, go and reconcile with my brother, and then come back and offer my gift. So let me make some points on these. We have the three that I want to kind of point out here, and, and they kind of bounce around between these illustrations, but I think you'll see all three of them. The responsibility of reconciliation, the priority of reconciliation, and then the urgency of reconciliation. That's the point. That's what he's, that's what he's getting across to us, uh, is this idea of reconciliation. We do this uh, ministry, if you will call it. Jesus, uh, Paul uh, tells us that we are, uh, have been given the ministry of reconciliation uh, in, in Christ's stead to reconcile people back to God. But here he's clearly teaching about being reconciled uh, interpersonally. Then um, we need to understand what uh, what this what this entails and how important this is for us. So uh, he's telling us firstly to do this for our sake. He's telling you and me. He's saying, uh, go and reconcile with your brother so that for your sake, so that you don't become angry with him. If someone has something against me, there is a chance that that will build. To something where I have, I begin to have feelings about this. Have you, have you ever found out that someone has been has had something against you, and it's been a long time, and you had no clue about it? It's been like five years, and they're like, you know what? I've always kind of held. Oh, I had no idea. But then there are other times when you know, yeah, someone's got, someone told us he just disagrees with me. He thinks that I did this, or he thinks I said this, or we just rubbed each other, whatever it may be. And and in that situation. Uh, I can't. I can't help if you have something against me. If I didn't do anything wrong, but if I if I realize that, I need to make sure that our relationship is 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 as healthy as it can be. And so I need to do what I can do so that anger doesn't develop within my heart. But number but number two, I do it for his sake because if he is a Christian, if he's a born again uh, regenerate believer, then he ought to want to make things right with me. Uh, because the only reason that I'm trying to make things right is because I want to please God. And so he ought to feel the same way. If he's a believer, he should want to make things right. And so uh, one of us should be going to the other saying, hey, let's fix this. And notice that Jesus is saying here, it's the person that recognizes that there's a problem here. So it's not the person that says, well, you know what? He has something against me. He should come and talk to me. It's, it's uh, hey, if, if I think that you have something against me, I should go talk to you. Now, I want to take you over to Matthew 18 and see what Jesus talks about um, a little bit more practically about reconciliation. So if you'll go to Matthew 18 and verse 15, and let's read some verses there. Matthew 18, 15. <clears throat> he says here, Moreover, if thy brother shall 
trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. So if someone offends you, a brother offends you, you go talk to that brother, and he's emphasizing here the fact that you don't need to make it a big deal yet. If, if, I, if, someone has a, if, if you do something to offend me, I need to go to you and talk to you about it. Notice he goes on, though. Um, and and, and uh, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. That's good. That's what, we, that's what we hope for. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be reestablished. Now, it's not saying that these are people who witnessed him wrong you, uh, but it's people, it's, 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 my, it's, it's a further display of my desire to reconcile. I tried to come to you, and I'm trying to make this right. You won't. So now I'm bringing two more with me, maybe to show that I'm, I am really trying to make this work, but also as witnesses that I am trying to make this right. And he is the obstinate one. He is the one who will not, uh, will not give in. And notice what it, what it goes on to say there, verse uh, 16, but if you will not hear thee, then take thee with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. So now I've taken it to a third level. I'm including more people. But if you neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. So he's talking about church discipline here. And it's if you do something to me, it is my responsibility to go to you and try to make things right. It's not for me to say, you know what, I'll wait for him to feel bad and come and ask for forgiveness and then I'll be ready to forgive him. It's if you offend me, I go to you and I try to fix things because I'm not trying to get my way, I'm trying to get my brother back, okay? If you are that offending brother and I've come to you and you won't do it, then I go and get two witnesses and I try to bring, and I bring those two witnesses and I say, uh, we want to get this right and even the witnesses now, it's saying he won't listen to them so the witnesses are saying, hey, you guys have, have a, uh, there's, there's a break here in your, in your relationship, you need to get this fixed and if he will not hear them, then he says, now bring it to the church. And then, and it's and it's the idea of the church saying, "You gotta, you guys gotta fix this." And obviously, we've seen, uh, you know, this guy is wanting to fix it, but this guy doesn't want to fix it. And so the church is saying, "Hey, let's do this." And if he won't hear the church, then they say, "Treat him like an unbeliever, treat him like a publican and a and a Gentile." Saying, "Don't act." Why? Because Jesus says his people are not supposed to act like this. And if he does not have that forgiving spirit. It is, Jesus says, treat it as if he, because he's never been forgiven himself. And so he's, he doesn't have that, um, he's not truly born again. Okay, so this is, this is the, the, the attitude and the responsibility that we have to try to go and make things right with our brothers and sisters. Uh, and, and so we do this, number one, I'm going back to my outline here, we do this for our sake, we do this for his sake, but we also do it for the body's sake, for the church's sake, because the church needs to be healthy. The church needs to be strong and united, and we need to be uh, one. As we read all throughout the book of Acts, that they were in one accord, and they had all things in common, and they were on the same mind, and they had the same heart and the same attitude. Uh, but when, when we get distracted by, well, you know, me and Joe Bob here, we've got a problem. We're not focused on ministry. We're not focused on serving the Lord. We're, we're focused on our little theft that we have about whatever it may be, whether it's imaginary or whether it's real. And, you know, it happens, doesn't it? I mean, we, we see each other. If, if all we ever saw each other was at church, we see each other several times a week, sometimes even more than that, uh, maybe sometimes even almost on a daily basis, at, you know, different times during the year. But then compound that, that we live in a small town. I mean, for this particular place, we're going to run into each other all the time. 
and not just in a church setting and not just at the grocery store, but we're going to see each other on boards with different things. We're going to deal with each other in school, and we have school teachers who are part of the, of the church here, and we have, uh, we have uh, uh, you know, then obviously school children. We have uh, people within, within the, the, you know, the political places of the, of the, of the town and the, in the village. And so there's, there's all of these different networks, and there's a good chance that you're going to do something that I disagree with. And there's going to be a good chance that you're going to say something that offends me, or there's an even better chance that I'm going to say something that offends you. And, and it happens all the time. It happens with the silliest of things. It happens with the, 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 sometimes the big giant things. And it doesn't matter how big or how little it is. Jesus says, fix it. Get it fixed. Uh, restore this relationship. And we go to Matthew 18 and see the, the, the specifics there. But uh, in and if we, if we look in verse 25, though, it does seem to tell us that uh, as he's kind of seems to begin another illustration, but in a way that it, it could it could be continued on as, as far as the accuser being your brother. But it seems, according to the illustration in verse 25, that there's a debt that is owed. He's accusing you and, and you will be in prison until you've paid every penny. There's there's some sort of debt, uh, a supposed debt that that needs to be paid. Uh, and so the legitimacy of the claim does not excuse me from seeking restoration. Well, he owes me 150 bucks. Todd, where's my gravel? Kind of thing. Or uh, everyone knows what that is. Um, but uh, but there is a there is a supposed debt there, you know. And maybe Todd's out there thinking, I don't owe you any gravel. And maybe the other guy, whoever that guy is, says, No, I owe you gravel, or you owe me gravel. If we're if we're talking about within the church, you owe somebody something, or they think you owe them. Is that cost greater than the relationship that we have with that person? If if Art is upset with me for let's say a hundred bucks, because I'm not giving you a hundred bucks, is the relationship that I have with him better? If a hundred bucks is going to restore that relationship, that's worth every penny. If 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 I care about that, but if I'm I'm saying our relationship isn't worth a hundred bucks, I mean hundred bucks, Art. I mean it's. But that, that, that ought to be the way that, that, that we look at it, that, okay, if it's, now if it's, you know, arts is like, no, you owe me a million bucks. You know, I, I can't do that. I don't have it to give you. What could I do that would resolve this relationship? And that's kind of what he was teaching us in Matthew 18, that there might be sometimes where the person feels offended or, or, or you're accused of something that you just can't fix. But as Romans teaches us, we are to, to strive to live at peace with all men. And so, I ought to at least go and do what I can. Hey, would you take a hundred bucks? You know, you, 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 I can't give a million, but I'll give you a hundred. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll mow your lawn. I'll do something. What What do you need to 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 feel like justice has been has been met? Because eventually, this gets so bad that he's saying, "I'm taking you to court." And I keep thinking about the people's court here. You know how they how they. Uh, you, you ever watch the people's court or some of those? They have so many like hundred different judge shows now, but. I always watched the People's Court or Judge Judy when nothing else was on that I wanted to watch and, and I wanted a good laugh. But at the very end of it, they would always interview the different people. They would interview the plaintiff, they'd interview the defendant, and there was it never failed that one was happy and one was not. And I always thought, they're not hanging out after this. You know, they're not, they're not uh, hey, you want to get some coffee? You know, after we're done. No, because you one and I lost and that that's not what it's supposed to be about with the relationships that we have it ought to be I want to win the relationship and if you're the accuser saying you offended me I want you to 
resolve it because I want the relationship. I don't care about whatever the thing is as much as I care about the relationship that we that we need to repair. That that is that is the greatest thing. So of course, if I owe, if someone accuses me, there is a slight chance then that I do owe them something, and I ought to repay. That is the Christian thing to do. But if I disagree, I should at least seek to understand why that person believes that I'm indebted to him. Uh, and even if I disagree after that point, I should place our relationship above my disagreement and say, you know what? All right. Not agree to disagree. If I can do this to fix this, if you are so determined that I am, I should do this thing, I need to be willing to try to do what I can to fix that you know, now that's easy to say, and, and when we're speaking in abstract, but when we start talking about specifics, uh, then there's there's it's a little bit more difficult to see that. But if we come out the heart with uh, trying to re- restore these relate, repair these relationships, and maintain healthy ones, uh, it, it it ought to be our primary focus. Um, if it reaches the judge, and that's what he's teaching there, I may have to pay. Even I may win, but if I win the suit, you know, the people's court. If I am, if I'm the defendant, and I lose the suit. Uh, I got to pay every penny. If I win the suit and I don't have to pay, well, guess what? I don't have my brother. I don't have that relationship anymore. And I sh- and I shouldn't be like, well, at least I don't have to pay him a hundred bucks. I don't have a brother like that anymore. I don't have that um, that relationship. I'm not saying someone lost their salvation there, but I'm saying that I don't have that 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 camaraderie anymore. And, and you know what what usually happens? We end up going our separate ways, and the body becomes a little bit weaker because two Christians couldn't figure out how to get along. That's what he's talking about, what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. and He's talking about Christians shouldn't be taking other Christians to court. Can't you figure this out on your own? Don't you have someone within the body that can settle these matters? But they just they just won't. Uh, the, the, there's it's a hard heart there. But I am supposed to intentionally seek to restore broken relationships. Right? Number two, the priority of reconciliation. So we see this with uh, how it's responded here. What Jesus is teaching in the first illustration is that acts of worship do not replace obedience. Okay, uh, God is not distracted by my unresolved interpersonal issues when I come to church, when I sing praise, when I give sacrificially, or even when I serve in ministry. What I'm saying is that if, let's say, if you're if someone's sitting in here right now and there's a definite thing going on between you and someone else, God is not distracted when we come and sing beneath the cross of Jesus. Or even when I write a hefty check and drop it in the offering. Or even when I serve in ministry doing whatever. God does not say, oh, well, okay. At least you're doing these things. He's saying, hey, you've got to fix this. And that's what he's saying there. If you're worshiping, now get this. I, I, had, I never thought of it this way until I was reading uh, one of the commentaries. And, and, and they kind of painted the picture this way. And I thought it was helpful to at least to get the, the, the magnitude of what Jesus is trying to express here. In this day and time, so thinking about the original hearers, if Jesus is in Galilee where he was preaching the sermon, and he's speaking about the temple, if he's talking about verse 20, um, 24 there, if you're, your gift at the altar. Now, when we think of bringing your gift to the altar, you know, we think about coming to the church, which for many of us is within five miles, and we, you know, we don't leave our gift at the altar, but that's not what he's speaking of. He's talking about the temple in Jerusalem, which for a Galilean may have been only a once or twice a year visit, okay? So think about all of the the hassle that it is to get from one place 80 or so miles to Jerusalem. Do this. Now, you're not the only one that's doing this at the temple. There are other people, so there's waiting. 
and there is buying the different things and 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 and, and all the the the, the uh, pomp and the circumstance that went into the bringing a gift to the altar, right? And at that moment, as you are presenting, you've waited all day, you've traveled for maybe days, you've, you've, you've made all these prior arrangements, and now you're finally there and you realize a brother at home has something against you. He does not say, finish up what you're doing and hurry home and make things right. He says, stop what you're doing. Travel all the way back home, fix it, and you're not off the hook. Travel all the way back and bring your gift and, and continue your worship. It, effectively, it's putting God on pause. Saying, God, excuse me a minute. Something very important just came up. Now, this is Jesus himself telling us to do this. And God says, I will wait for that. Uh, I, this is not a rude thing. Oh, something's more important than worshiping God. Well, Jesus is saying, there's something more important than bringing your gift to God. Remember when Saul was was uh, uh, offering the sacrifice uh, and uh, he was supposed to have killed all the Amalekites, I think it was, and he decided to spare some of the best of the sheep and Agag and all that. And then uh, the prophet came and he said, uh, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm offering a gift to the Lord. He said, uh, why do I hear the bleeding of the sheep? To obey is better than sacrifice. I don't want to hear, I don't want your sacrifices if you have not first obeyed. And here's the obedience part. Keep things right with your brother. And so it shows us the effect, the magnitude of it. If I, if, you know, we, we put into these extremes and understand, you know, if I'm, uh, if I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to conference, let's say, and I'm going to down to down to, uh, you know, West Virginia, or I'm going to, to to Kentucky, I'm going to Kentucky in a conference in, a, in a, and this year, and you know, if I go down there and I find and I realize, oh, no, I got something wrong uh, with, uh, you know, someone has a problem with me. I'm not to say, hey, note to self, when you get back, you need to take care of this. I'm supposed to fix it now. Now, fortunately, we have cell phones. <laughs> you know, I, I, can, I, I, can, I have a way I can get in touch with someone right away if I need to without having to do the whole walk, you know, get back and all that. But it's showing us the, the, the priority of this. Make this a priority, even above your acts of worship. And I think sometimes we, we try to say, well, you know what? I've got these problems with people, but you know what? I serve the Lord. And that doesn't impress God. Well, you know, I, I, I can't get along with other Christians, but I play, or I sing, or I serve, or I go faithfully, and it doesn't help. It's, it's, it's not a, well, okay, I'll take what I can get from you. That's not what God says. Now, we might say that. Okay, we just understand that you have a bad temper, and we'll just kind of leave you alone and give you space. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, those things don't hover up uh, what uh, your, your, uh, your lack of reconciliation uh, one commentator I wrote said, how many of our churches would or should be temporarily emptied if these commands were taken seriously? Can you, can you imagine what that would look like if, uh, let's say we're taking the Lord's Supper and then all of a sudden uh, someone realizes, ooh, I left things on a bad note with so-and-so. And they're not here. And they just got up and left. You say, wait, where are you going? Well, Jesus is saying, that's take care of what if, what if that person was sitting across the aisle? How awkward would that be to walk over and say, hey, before we need to, we need to take care of something right now. Most of us say, no, 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 just wait till later. But Jesus is saying, now. This is, this is, and it, and it kind of leads into the third one there, the urgency of reconciliation. It's important to Christ that we be reconciled, that we be unified with one. And if my brother is angry with me, verse 22 says that he is in violation of God's laws. Okay, about the anger. And so I am to reconcile with him both for both our sakes, for his, so that he can be obedience, 
obedient to God's law once again, but also for mine so and, and his so that our unity may be restored within the body of Christ. So there ought to be a, a sense of urgency. Hey, we've got to fix this. It's not, a, it's, it's not like, well, um, hey, the, the roof blew off a shingle and I need to get around to that. It's, uh, hey, a tree fell in my, in my living room. We need to take care of this right now. Uh, it's the way that you feel when your favorite cereal is gone. It's the way in our house when we run out of ice cream. We don't put this on the list for next time. We go now. We get this taken care of right away. This is a big deal. Uh, and, 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 and there are certain things that we call priorities for us that would be coffee and ice cream. Uh, if, there's, if, there, if we run out of coffee, we're doing this now. We're going now. We're not waiting. till one. But if we run out of celery, nobody's running to Jamestown to get some more celery. Uh, priorities. Um, no urgency. No urgency there. Um, so this is um, this is not something that that needs to be put off or procrastinated. Uh, this should be done immediately. Now these I have uh, I guess uh, three more thoughts there that don't really fit in any of these things, but I, I felt they were appropriate to share. Number one is that it is Christ-like to reconcile. We read the verses there in Second Corinthians and Ephesians there that it is it is uh, Jesus' ministry. That's why he came to reconcile us. God reconciled us. Let's let's look at one of them there. Uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter two and uh, verse eleven. Ephesians two verse eleven and twelve, uh, speaking of the uh, reconciling God reconciling us through Christ, it says there in verse eleven. Wherefore remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being am I in the right place? I'm going to get there. Ephesians 2, 11 and 12. I think I might copy the memory. If I keep reading, eventually I'll run into a word. Oh, that's why. I'm not, I said 11 through 12 when I was looking. I didn't see it there. Let me let me skip down to where I want to get to. Uh, verse number um, uh, 14. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments containing ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. Um, there it says there in uh, verse number 19, Therefore you no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. So he's speaking of the Gentiles and the, and the Jews together, being one in the body of Christ. But, but there's a this is what Jesus did for us. Uh, the other passage there, Second Corinthians, speaks of the ministry of reconciliation, and now we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, not primarily for fixing you know, interpersonal issues, but for reconciling men and God. But that falls in the, the the disagreements that you and I have, and that we have with other believers, that we oughta we oughta get these things fixed. God reconciled us to Himself through Jesus, and He likewise gave us the same ministry of reconciling. Uh, we ought to value the unity within the body of Christ above uh, all earthly and material things. Uh, number two, we don't have a lot of specific instruction. Jesus doesn't necessarily tell us how to reconcile, specifically in Matthew 5. Now, we saw some in, in uh, Matthew 18 there. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- every situation is a little bit different. And I will say that reconciliation may not always be possible if the other person doesn't disagree or doesn't agree to do it. But, we are to seek it. It's not for me to decide, well, they'll never go along with this. I need to do what I can, and more than once. Notice, I go all by myself. 
I go with two, I go with the church, I'm doing everything I can to, and you know what, even the, 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 the treating them like a Gentile, I, I think is to, to further say, hey, we want you to reconcile. Not writing you off forever, but saying, hey, you can't, you can't be a part of the church. That's what church discipline is supposed to be, to bring people back in, not to, it's to not allow that unchristian behavior within the church. It's to, to say, hey, you've got to fix this behavior. That's what Corinthians was all about. Hey, you can't be doing that. You can't be a part of the church be doing that. And it wasn't to say we never want to see you again. It was to say we don't want to see this behavior again. We want you. And, and it was it's over and over and over again. I want to see. But how quickly are we to, to write someone off and say, you know what? You owe me that five bucks. There's a guy that asked me for 20 bucks. He, uh, he, he, asked, he asked to borrow $20 so he could put gas in his car. He's a church member. And a uh, pretty faithful church member. This is about uh, eight years ago. Hasn't paid me back yet. But I knew at the time, there's a good chance I'm not going to see this 20 bucks again. So I gave it to him. And I told him that. I, I didn't say it like this, but I, I don't trust you to pay back. So here's a gift of 20 bucks. Because I knew that if I was going to loan the money to him, and he didn't pay it back, that would fester with, hey, you owe me 20 bucks. Hey, jerk, you owe me 20 And every time I see him pulling in McDonald's, I think, hey, you can afford McDonald's, but you can't give me my 20 bucks. You know, that, that's, that's how we would be. And so in, in my mind, it was just easier to give it to him and say, here's a gift, and if you give it back to me, bonus. Uh, but that, that's not, uh, hadn't happened yet, and I doubt it is going to happen, uh, for, at least for that, for that guy. Uh, so, uh, we, but we ought to do what we can to reconcile. I, I mentioned this verse. I would like to read it to you. Romans 12 and verse 18. This is Paul speaking about living at peace with all men. Romans 12 and verse 18. If it be possible, notice it may not be, but if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Now, there's some conditions there. If it's possible, and as much as you can, but if there's a problem, there it takes two people to reconcile, and so uh, there's there's uh, there, there may may or may not be the opportunity to do that. But I am at least supposed to seek it. And finally, and this is kind of what we see as a theme throughout the whole, is that we are to follow. We ought to follow the letter of the law, but also the spirit of the law. And that's kind of the the difference between uh, the outward and the inward. That's the that's what we looked at this morning about condensing do not murder simply down to the physical act of it. But Jesus says, well, if you hate him in your heart, you've already committed murder. So that's the spirit of the law. I didn't kill him. I just hate him. Or I just, I'm angry at him. It's not even hatred, it's anger. I'm just angry at him. Jesus says, that's the same thing. At least it carries the same consequence. Now, I would, you know, like I said, humanly speaking, I would much rather you just be a little angry at me, or even a lot angry at me, than to kill me with kindness. You know, I, I, I would, I want, I, but I don't, I'm not God. And he's speaking here of the physical versus spiritual consequences. And he's, and he's telling us here that there is a spirit of the law we ought to maintain. And if we follow the spirit of the law, the letter of the law takes care of itself. Remember when, you, you know, those of you with, with grown kids, you can think back to it. And some of us are living in those days now. Uh, sometimes we have little lawyers living in our house that say, well, you didn't say that. I told you about my, my friend. My, well, he was probably not a good friend, but he was a friend. He was one of my first roommates in college, and he taught me how to get snacks for my roommates when they weren't there. Is you would just ask if they if you could have whatever their snacks were, 
And he didn't say no, and so it must be okay. But they weren't even there. But that was the letter of law. Well, he didn't say I couldn't, so I went ahead and did. You know, nobody here has ever told me that you, I can't steal your car. But I don't think anybody really wants me to. You know, so if I go and do it, I say, well, you didn't say I couldn't. You know, there are some things that I could do out there. And say, well, there's no, there's no law that says, there's no verse in the Bible that says I shouldn't be doing it. But there's a spirit of it. Don't do that. You know, and so if we would if we would obey the spirit of God's law, uh, the, the taking care of the letter of the law would would, would fall in place pretty well. That's uh, that's the first one. The next one here, I almost introduced this one because it was kind of kind of talked about love at least. I thought, well, there's Valentine's Day, but uh, anger might be a little bit more of a proper emotion following Valentine's Day. So talking about anger next week, we'll talk about love and uh, uh, faithfulness and marriage and things. We're going to take, I think, two of these, put these together. But does anyone have any uh, comments? Would you like to add questions?